And repeat after me. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand a powerful Word of God. can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. And here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. And just turn to your neighbor and tell them that you love them and happy Easter. Or if you don't love them, don't say anything. Just, you know, just let it go. <laughs> Amen, Ron. Brother Ron, happy Easter to you too. That's good. Love like Jesus. I want to get started this morning with a, a great message uh, on forgiving. As Jesus teaches us to forgive But by way of starting, I want to see how many of you have siblings in your life. Older, younger, middle, okay. How many of you were the oldest born? Okay. Now see, the oldest one that was born, they're really special because they were the trial run. The oldest is the trial run. You you know, they're the one that you try everything on first. Um, You you carried multiple pacifiers uh, with the first one because if the pacifier, heaven forbid, would hit the ground, there's no way that that is sanitary-wise able. You're not able to put that back in the mouth of that child. So you whip out the next one that's all fully sanitized. That first one, they were the trial run. How many of you were the middle or the second child? Yeah, you became the play toy for the first one. (laughs) In many ways. (laughs) Yeah. On the pacifier thing, if you're the second one, (laughs) she picks it up off the floor, licks it, and rushes it off, throws it back in your mouth. Yeah. How many of you were number three in in the grouping of you know, okay? The thing that's interesting about the number three child <laughs> is there are any pictures of you. <laughs> you got one, you got a bunch and two, three it's like they don't exist. I don't know where one is. We were going through boxes of pictures one day, and Cindy said, We don't have any pictures of Mark. I said, oh, But he's in our heart, honey. He's in our heart. He's in our heart. Uh, but it's true, isn't it? It's really true. I'm just so glad that God loved us in a way that didn't matter where we fell, He treats us the same. Now, one thing I also learned about older and the middle and the younger. Is the older brother, sister, the older siblings, they can treat you as the younger sibling any way they want. I mean, they can. They can beat you. They can make fun of you. They can ridicule you. They can throw sand on you. But heaven help 
whoever decides they're going to do the same thing to your young sibling in your presence, all the fury of hell will be unleashed on them. From that older sibling. It's true. Well, you know, you know, I can mess with them, but don't you mess with them. Now, in the case of Bryant and Brad, which one do you think is older? Because they're twins. See, it was a Jacob and Esau. That's to be a trivia question. We should give you $100 if you could tell us. Bryant, are you sure Bryant's older? And how much older is he? He came three days. He was. <laughs> Brad was three days in the tomb. We're trying to make this Easter, okay? He's three days. <laughs> Thirty minutes, wasn't it? it was about about a half hour. About a half hour. When I first met Brad, I said, "You know, I'd like to. I wanted to meet the good-looking Caleb brother." And he smiled and he said, "Well, you're looking at him." So, I appreciated his humbleness as well. It was awesome. We had a story that kind of broke my heart that will kind of weave its way through our message this morning. But there was a guy named Dave. Dave was in the fourth grade, and uh, he had what he thought was a friend named Max who was in the sixth grade. And, you know, they played, they hung out, they did things together. And uh, they were alone at Max's house one time, and uh, Max did something that was terrible. Uh, Max convinced Dave that... Uh, they needed to do some experimentation and uh, in a nutshell I could just simply say that Max then molested Dave it devastated Dave Dave developed a hatred for Max fact so much so Dave wanted Max dead That's pretty emotional. Fast forward a little a little time and Dave uh, became a Christ follower. And in the process of becoming a believer and a Christian and beginning to follow Christ and walk that walk, he heard taught and the preachers say time and time again that the Bible says we should love our enemies and pray for those who have hurt us. But Dave had a problem with that statement because Dave literally hated Max for what Max had done to him. On your outline in your uh, bulletin, Let's take a look at that first passage there, Matthew 6. It says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Here's Dave's tripping point. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Oh my goodness. Panic set in for Dave when he heard this verse. Because in his heart of hearts, he could not, would not forgive Max. In fact, Dave would say 
time and time again, I don't want to forgive him. That hurt was so deep, that betrayal so strong, I'm not going to forgive him. Well, God says, you know, I'm not going to forgive him. So as we begin this series and talk about forgiving sinners, God forgives sinners. We we need to love like Jesus by forgiving sinners. We need to learn how to wash people's feet and then we need to learn what it means to break bread together and with the Lord. And we're going to learn some incredible things. As I said earlier, today's message will resonate with everyone in some way in this room today. You will not leave without it having touched you in some way. My prayer is that it touches you in a way that draws you back to Christ and in so drawing closer to the cross of Christ that you then will be able somehow, some way, to open a heart of forgiveness. Think about the cross for a moment. A lot of sermons will be preached today about the crucifixion. It was gruesome. It was brutal. He was abused. There's no question. You ever see the movie Passion of the Christ some years ago? What a powerful movie. I think the part of the movie that bothered me the most, most of it bothered me, but the one that, the part that bothered me the most was the scenes where he was being flogged. The Romans were ruthless people. Kind of like what the Philadelphia Eagles did to poor Tom Brady. I mean, it just, just, they were ruthless people. How dare they beat the King of Kings and Lord of Lords of football, right? But Jesus suffered such a great injustice. The cross. People spit on him, mocked him. I mean, imagine Jesus, the Son of God, completely innocent of any wrongdoing, hanging in between two thieves who deserved to be there. They deserved to be hanging on the cross. The guy in the middle really didn't deserve to be there, but he is there. Luke 23, again back to your outline. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. This excruciating pain that Jesus had to endure. See, those guys were tied to the cross. Their feet, their Tiptoes could be on a plank of wood stuck out from the bottom of the cross, and they could at least pull up and push up with their toes to get a breath. You see, crucifixion, you die by your lungs filling up with your own body fluids, and you die from drowning. Or the nicer term would be asphyxiation. 
Boy, that sounds a lot better than drowning. (laughs) It's a cruel death. Agonizing death. But for Jesus, He didn't have the luxury of the tied hands and the plate to tiptoe on. His feet were on top of each other, nailed together on top of each other. And His hands were nailed to the cross actually between the two wrist bones here. This was part of the hand. That was the measurement of the hand. So they drove it through here, the base of his hand. That's where they drove. So as he needed to breathe, he would have to pull up on those nails and push up with his feet. That was nailed together. Now I don't know about you. You ever sprain your ankle? I mean, it's, it's worse than death, isn't it? I always hear people say, well, it's better to break it than to spray it. Well, I don't know about that either. But more than pain, you can hardly walk. I've developed Charcot disease in my feet. I had no idea what it was. My, my wife thought it was S-H-A-R-K, Charcot. She thought maybe I was had a, a fish eating my feet. I don't know what it is. It's not spelled that way. It's C-H-R. Well, anyway. But your bones collapse. In your feet. The foot doctor told me, said, every step you take measures three times your body weight for every step you take on your foot. And so I got on the scale and realized that I've been carrying around a ton. Well, not quite a ton. But a lot of weight. So the bones finally gave out. Now on the right side, I can't, there's nothing you can do for it. It just will always be gnarled up and ugly looking. If I take my shoe and sock off, you'll go, ew. Because <laughs> it looks, ew. And every time I get up, some of you watch me, it's hard, I can't, it's hard to walk, it's hard to stand up. So I have my new little friend. The kids call me Zoom Zoom. You've probably called me some other things, but that's okay. I kind of like Zoom Zoom. I do not have rear view mirrors, so I may run over your toe backing up. That's okay. The fun part is, well, it's okay because I will already have done it and won't know it. (laughs) I do have this, though. Watch out. When you hear that, that's going to, that means I'm coming somewhere. (laughs) In, In all the pain that I might have, Or maybe in your life you've got something that's created pain for you. When you think of that, and and it is very real every day, isn't it? Whatever pain that is, it's very real. Whether you're trying to get up, whether you're trying to function, whether you're trying to move, whether you're trying to run, whether you're trying to do whatever, it's very painful. But can you imagine the pain that Jesus felt? And I used to think that the cross, when they put it in, he was like seven, eight feet off the ground. Actually, he wasn't. Actually, he was probably more like that one right there. He was not very far off the ground. But to experience what he was experiencing, you didn't need to be high off the ground. Most, almost naked completely. The Son of God, 
the Savior of the world, hanging on the cross, half naked in front of God and everybody. Crowd mocking Him. Spitting on Him. Yelling, King of the Jews! You saved people now. Save yourself. Even the criminals were hurling abuse at Him. In Luke 23, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus, in the midst of the most incredible pain anyone could hope to experience, looks down from the cross and says, Father, forgive them. Well, that forgiveness seems unforgivable. How does He do that? Now most of you, most of us have been wounded in some way. We've been abused. We've been taken advantage of. We've been betrayed. Somebody's gossiped about you. Somebody has lied about you. Maybe someone has cheated you. Maybe a spouse has betrayed and cheated you. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, holding a grudge will kill you. It'll eat away at you like a locust eats a field of wheat. And I'm not really talking about some one-time big offense like Dave experienced. I can't imagine the trauma that that type of abuse would create. Now I'm talking about those, those ongoing, those smaller offenses that just keep... You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've got an in-law that just nitpicks at everything you do. You can't be good enough. You'll never be good enough. And you're the worthless thing. Why did you marry my daughter? Who in the world? Was she blind when she found you? Don't any of you say, Amen. No, no. Not, not the time. It's the wrong time. Don't say a show of hands. And please don't point. to make you bitter at God. Mad at yourself. In fact, you've done something in your life you've never, ever been able to even forgive yourself. It just keeps gnawing, 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 gnawing. So how do you forgive like Jesus? Glad you asked. Got two two ways you're just going to make it happen. In your outline, number one, pray for those 
Who do what? Pray for them. Yeah, I'm going to pray for them, preacher. <laughs> you better believe it. Give my, let me get my hands around their neck and let me pray for them. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, I got you. How do I pray for those who hurt me? Always keep in mind, the answer to that is the cross. If He can look down from the cross and pray for forgiveness for those who put Him there, maybe you and I can pray for those who've hurt us. No one's led us to the cross lately, amen? Hey, at least we can say that. Now, they may have hurt us deeply, but at least they haven't nailed us to the cross yet. Give them a chance. They'll probably do it. Jaron Lowenstein wrote a poem. He <laughs> said, God, give me your ears. In parenthesis, he said, but give them hemorrhoids. <laughs> Here it is. So I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do. He said, you can't go hating others who've done wrong to you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do His job, and you just pray for them. So here's his prayer. I pray your bricks go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. Just know where you are, honey. I'm praying for you. <laughs> eh, maybe need to shift the attitude a little bit on that one, but uh, nevertheless. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This was jaw-dropping information. The apostles looked at each other and said, what did he just say? They looked at each other and said, what did he... They were getting mad because of what Jesus just said that they need to do. What? They ain't no way. There ain't no way. You know what they've done to me. There's no way I'm going to forgive them. I can't do that. In fact, the Romans worshipped revenge as one of the gods that they served. They loved to get revenge. And man, they set in motion whatever it was going to take to get revenge. They waited and they got it. And when they got it, they ex they exacted it very well. There was no April Fool's going on with the Romans. Man, it was, here we come. Wasn't it great, Satan, when Jesus died and they put, the, put him in the tomb and they rolled the stone in front and they put the Roman seal on it so nobody would move it and, take, and steal the body of Jesus? Wasn't it great when Satan sat back and went, We won! And all of a sudden, the stones rolled away and Jesus jumped out of the tomb and He says, April Fool. I've been waiting for all week to say that to you. So. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that it works out on April Fool's Day. 
The Romans worshipped revenge. The Jewish law said eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, blood for blood. Middle East, they still live that way. Chicago, they still live that way. Tulsa still lives that way. Did someone hurt you? Devastate you? Betray you? Jesus said, pray for them. Pray for the friend that lied about you. The boss that mistreats you or mistreated you. The parent who left you and walked out of your life. Pray for them, Jesus says. That friend who let you down. Why did Jesus teach this? This isn't in your outline, so I need you to write it down. Attitude, attitude precedes right actions. Attitude precedes right actions. Attitudes precede, attitude precedes right actions. Well, preacher, I'm waiting for that right feeling. Well, I'll know when that feeling comes. Then I can extend that forgiveness. <laughs> you may be waiting then until Jesus returns for that feeling to show up. Let me go back to Dave and Max's story. Many years have passed since Dave found the Lord and he was encouraged to pray for Max, so he did. Max, he found out, had multiple sclerosis. A very agonizing uh, condition you find yourself. So Dave decided that he would pray for Max. And here's what I know. This is a truth that is so true. Again, not in your eye. You might want to write it down. This is my prayer for others may or may not change them, but it always changes me. Had a lady some years ago meet me in the center aisle. This church, I'm walking out. Back then I could walk. I was walking out. She met me halfway. She said, I am so tired of your lousy preaching. I had just gotten through with one of those lousy sermons. And so I felt on top of the world, man, I had really accomplished something good for God today. She said, I'm so tired of your lousy sermon. She said, I'm going to pray for you. I thought, well, better that or kill me. What is she going to do? I hope you'll pray. Three weeks later, Never forget. Three weeks later, same walk, same way, same way, same way. in this church. She comes up, pokes me in the chest. She goes, by golly, you're preaching better. I said, I haven't done anything different. <laughs> so what changed? <clears throat> she changed. She changed. Now, it did challenge me to think about the way I was preaching. Granted, if you're lousy, you don't want to always be lousy. So I began to examine that part of it. But 
I believe God changed her heart too in the process. So my prayer for others may or may not change them, but it always changes me. Number one, you've got to pray for those who hurt you. Number two, you've got to forgive as you've been forgiven. Colossians 3.13 Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Well, as soon as I read that verse, I said, well, it shouldn't take long to finish the sermon now. <laughs> because I have been forgiven by God through Christ. I don't have a choice. Do I have a choice? Well, I guess I just still do have a choice, don't I? But if I'm going to be obedient to Christ then I'm going to have to extend forgiveness to those who've hurt me and despitefully used me because God said, Harold, I forgive you. Wow. Remember the old song we used to sing, Burdens are lifted at Calvary. You see, that's what I was waiting for. As I forgave, as I began to extend forgiveness, the burdens lifted. Woo! Glory to God. Anne Lamott wrote this, Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and then hoping the other person dies. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? So true. We have to take it to God. You've heard preachers say that. Christians say that. you got to take it to God and then you got to let it go. All of our sins are in the backpack and we take it up to the cross and we put the backpack at the foot of the cross and we say, they're yours, Lord Jesus. And then we say, Amen. And then we get up to walk away and take the backpack and put it back on and walk away. No, we've got to leave it at the cross. Let it go. Let it go. Oh, I've got to finish the story. Dave began to pray, and then Dave decided to write a letter. So he writes a letter to Max. And in the letter, he forgives Max. Max couldn't speak because of the, of the MS that he had. And so the caretaker read the letter to Max, and he is weeping, weeping greatly. Because he sensed for the very first time what it meant to have forgiveness given to you. He had the forgiveness extended to him by someone that he had hurt deeply. And not too long after the letter was written and the letter was read and forgiveness extended even though it was a long way away and not in person. It was through an impersonal piece of paper called a letter. Old Max got the message. He passed away. But he passed away not before 
he was able to write out a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. That's the power of forgiveness. That's the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness is setting the prisoner free and realizing that you were the prisoner. You were the prisoner. Pray with me, would you? Father, I thank you so much for the fact that we can come to you in prayer. We can seek your face, your heart, your love. We can seek forgiveness for the sin that we become entangled with. And Father, Satan will use our past. He will use our present. He will use any situation, anything that we encounter in life against us and remind us and nag us and harangue us about it. Isolated incidences in life, we can get so focused and tunnel visioned that we never see forgiveness. So God, today, today, would you help us set free those who are, that we need to forgive? And in the setting free of those who need to forgive, it will also then set us free. Because God, our unforgiveness is a bondage. We're shackled, handcuffed. Help us be releasing that to you. And in the forgiveness of others, we'll find the release ourselves. God, if there's a person here fighting themselves about making you their personal Lord and Savior, today should be the day they stop. Quit wrestling. They should surrender to you. Make it happen today. So God, would you give them courage to take that next step? Maybe there's somebody here that's got a bad situation at home, their husbands, their wives, their children. It's just it's just unbearable. Words have been said that never should have been said, but they were said and the hurt is so deep. Maybe there's somebody here whose finances are just non existent. Bills are mounting. The ability to cover them is difficult at best. Would you would you show them a breakthrough? Perhaps it's at work. Perhaps it's within the family structure itself, extended family. God, I don't know what it is that's got these folks under bondage. But through the power of forgiveness, they can release it. So God, I pray you'll give them courage and the power to do it. Through the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who's forgiven us already, may we also extend forgiveness to those that we need to. But we need to have a relationship with you. Is there someone here today that might respond to that? In Jesus we pray. Amen.